Sky Town, it's your boys, the Skyhook Podcast. I am Chris Pennant. He is the founder, the originator, often imitated, never duplicated, James K. And this, as you can tell by our crisp dress, is the last, the ultimate Skyhook Podcast of the year. And we had to come out doing it big because it's award season for us, at least. It's the first <laughs> edition of the annual Skyhook Podcast Award Show where we deep dive into everything Chicago Sky and all things WNBA at the same time and pick our best moments of the preceding, in this case, the 2022 season. So I hope you have your flowers ready. I hope you've got your fingers crossed that your category, your candidate wins because we're going to get into it. But first things first, James, how you feeling, man? Chris, we have been planning this for so long now, just thinking about how we could do something fun at the end of the year. I know we were off for a little while because both of us were sick, but man, yeah. I am so excited for this podcast. This is going to be one of our best because there's just nothing like reflecting on a whole year of basketball, man. I mean, going back through this, I was like, oh, right. Like th- it, this is what it felt like <laughs> in the moment, you know, it was kind of crazy to look back at this season prepping for it. But how did you feel about it? It was interesting because I think so much of me was thinking how much of a season it was uh, that, that to forget just because of the way it ended, yeah. where the Sky were up 2-1 in their series with Connecticut. They were up by 10 going into the final quarter of game five and everything spelled, you know, a return to the finals at the very least. If not a repeat, a return to the finals. And then everything came apart at the end. And so it was tough to go from the elation of 2021 into the uh, just not a, it wasn't a dud. I can't call it that. Just the, the letdown. I think the emotional drain that we as reporters felt and that the fans felt that I know the team felt. So it was tough going back and looking at that. But at the same time, like you said, remembering things that happened in the moment that were just so incredible uh, it was it was almost unbelievable to see in in real time. So uh, going back and being able to relive some of those things was was dope. It was dope. It's so hard to not think about the rest of the season when again it ended like in a sour note, like you just said. And a lot of good things happened, and that's what we're going to be kind of touching on the pod today. I mean, just looking at like the the sky held the All Star game. You know, if you were to ask the team in 2017 if they were going to be doing that anytime soon. I'm pretty sure they would probably give you a no. And <laughs> they had that. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the league. They they tied for first place um, outside of all those weird qualifiers that came into play for the Commissioner's Cup. I mean, they ended this the season looking really strong. I mean, 26 and 10 is nothing to look down on, you know, like that's a I mean, that's true dominance right there. And that's not even, you know, considering like all the the close games that they had that they could have put away as well. So I, I know that it's really hard to look at this season, be like it wasn't a success. But going back through everything, I mean, I just felt like there was a lot to celebrate here. And I mean, you felt that as well. And again, this is what's going to make this podcast so fun to do right now. So I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. <laughs> well, let's slide into it. 
uh, with our first awards category, the Holy Heat Check Award. Oh, wait, we got to, before we do that, though, we got to explain how we're doing this because. You're right. You're right. Thank you. We, See, I'm getting, I'm already too excited. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> well, the format for this is that we have eight awards to give out and we've come up with some, <laughs> some weirder names for it. So you better be ready for some, we'll explain some of the names for the people that haven't been following this guy <laughs> as long as we have, but we're going to put eight minutes on the clock to discuss the three candidates that we have for each category and make the case, just bounce ideas off each other. Me and Chris have not talked about any of these categories and we haven't given each other our opinion on who should win each category. So we're going to put eight minutes on the clock. Once that goes off, we are going to come to a conclusion and if we disagree, you know what, maybe we'll, we'll put out a couple of polls on our Twitter accounts through the newsletter. If you don't know if we have a newsletter yet, that's what we're, we, we have that. We just got to get back to it now that we're both back and healthy. But if you do disagree with us, you know, feel free to drop the hashtag on Twitter, Skyhook Pod Awards. That's going to be, you know what, I'll say it one more time, Skyhook Pod Awards on Twitter if you want to disagree with us. I'm sure you will because it's Twitter. And yeah, Chris, let's get into it. I'm I'm so excited for this first category. Let's talk about it. As always, if you follow the show, if you don't follow the show, if you know somebody who needs to follow the show, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Skyhook Pod. Check us on email at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com. And anywhere that podcasts are sold or listened to, <laughs> listen to and look for the Skyhook Podcast. So now, for real this time, our first award category is the Holy Heat Check Award. And it's, I think this was one of the things that you talked about, um, as, as you said, that I had forgotten about until I went back and revisited. Because the first one, obviously very clear in my mind, our first candidate um, or our first nominee of the category is Dana Evans season opener against the Los Angeles Sparks, where the Dana, it was the official, I think after, after the game three of the, the finals, the preceding year where Dana hit those two late threes that sent Wintrust into a frenzy. This was the official Dana Evans coming out party. This was her uh, debutante ball. And that <laughs> seven, that third quarter, especially where she lit the building on fire. I think it was 17 points in the quarter. 17 points, three assists, and two steals. Played all it 10 was, minutes. It was insane. And it was her first start uh, it, because Sloot was still coming back from overseas. And I th- it was just wondering, you know, how is Dana Evans going to, how is she going to uh, deal with the spotlight, really? And, you know, Brittany, Brittany Sykes was on, was on Los Angeles very tough defender you know how is she going to navigate that even having you know a year under her belt in the league and she proved that she can hang just point blank period and it was a shame that this guy lost that game in fact um i know that everybody on press row pretty much said hey there shouldn't have been a foul that was called there late uh one of those games that she said this guy uh probably could have won should have won but yeah dana evans uh season open against los angeles it's hard i think to contend against that and then after that, see, this is when we really get into the thick of things. Azaray Stevens' first half against the Aces in that incredible comeback game. And if you're thinking about it, yes, that game will come up in some other awards later. <laughs> uh, but 
in a game where the sky were foundering after getting blitzed by the aces, literally Teresa Plaisance was hitting threes. Uh, everybody was hitting threes. Kaya Stokes was hitting threes. Azure pretty much kept the team afloat. She didn't miss a shot in the first half Ended the ended the first two frames, six for six, 14 points, two threes and six boards. And she scored 19 points in the game. So 14 of her 19 came in those first 20 minutes of action. So before this guy really mounted that comeback, they needed to stay in the game, and Z did that. And finally, Kalia Copper's first five minutes and 50 seconds against the Liberty in that devastating game two of the playoffs. And I know that y'all remember this. I know that y'all remember what happened. Hey, she scored 10 points in seven minutes and 20 seconds, and it was just from the tip. She was just <laughs> going after it. So to me, like, I know that this, I feel like this kind of qual- qualifies as a heat check, even though I feel like the box score might push against that notion. But like this, this definitely was a heat check if you were watching it. Oh, yeah. And we know how hot cock can get. And we also know that this guy blew the Liberty out in that game. But seeing her in action is one of those things where you have to, it's, it's almost like you have to be there live to appreciate it. And I know we're getting into our discussion now. And I think that is a good segue because the Dana Evans game, I think even on TV, you could appreciate what she was doing, uh, especially in that third quarter where she was just going to the, going to the rim, getting their spot at will. Ka being Ka's, Ka's effort in game two, it kind of got drowned out by the totality of that game. That's the tough part. That's why I wouldn't have it win. Even though we know what she could do, it was almost not ho-hum. It was recognizable to us and to anybody watching. Like, oh, Ka's going off. Okay, um, let me finish popping this popcorn, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back and see it. Dana, you're like, nope, nope, nope. Don't change the channel. Don't leave the seats. Don't stay in the room. You know, don't, don't, hey, you're calling me. I got to call you back. Dana Evans is cooking. Even with, with Z's first half, it got, it didn't get lost in the shuffle because corner three Z is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I think it was, that's, it, it can't beat Dana Evans only because the second half was when things really started going haywire and everybody was like, holy shit, what the fuck is happening? This team was down by like 30 a second ago, and now they're about to lead. Yeah, honestly, I think all three of these are worthy of consideration because you really had to go game by game with this one. Like I rewatched this Aces game, and you know, they the sky don't mount this comeback. I mean, what they were down. 28 points at one point and before mm-hmm. everything started to turn around and as raised steadiness again i've said it a hundred times but she is the honorary six starter on this team at least in the, the 2020 version of that team and there's just something to be said about you bring in someone who's just steady and can keep the ship afloat and that's what she did in that aces game where again things were cl- like crumbling they were down 41 to 18 after the first quarter and you know, she scored like seven points, hit a three, like they needed those, like, every single one of those points to be able to come out on the other end of this thing. So I, I know again, like it's not something that's super flashy, but I do think she should be considered for this. Like that was one of the 
honestly, that was like the where the fucking champs type moment that they really needed to have. And it was great. I mean, that's that, this was on June 21st. And obviously what Cod did in game two after, I mean, that was an emotional time for the team and they were able to make it work coming off an injury. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, she grabbed at that ankle multiple times, even game one. And then we've seen it after the fact as well. So for Cod to just come in and just show why she is one of the premier two-way players in the W, like, oh my God. I mean, that was chilling to watch live. But Chris, I mean, let's be honest here. Dana, this was <laughs> Dana's coming out. Like she told me, like this was her coming out performance. Like I talked with her a couple weeks ago. Actually, I forgot to mention that before. But like she was like coming out of training camp after the all the success that she had, where she was knocking down everything. Ali started off the year hurt with a hamstring injury, I believe. Mm-hmm. Sloot started next to. Yeah, she started next to Salute, who she'd been watching, trying to emulate a little bit. And then she she struggled in that first half, and then, boom, 17 points. Chris, I was in a high school band where my ears were ringing all the time. I, you know, my dad plays music all and seen a bunch of his shows. The noise doesn't really get to me that much. Oh, my God, Wintrust was buzzing to the point where I'm like, like this is <laughs> this is killing my ears. Like I forgot so. my earplugs. Oh, like we talk about we talk about like a, a heat check, like that it was it was the energy that she brought was palpable in a way that like to me I could see I could get why that this is the one that we end up going with at the at the end of this. I mean, it was nuts. Uh I think game four of the finals when the sky or coming back where they've just been trying to to get within single digits all game long. And then they finally hit the comeback. Kai had that run out and then Candace hit the three to tie. I thought that was pretty much the loudest that I'd heard the building at a sky game or anything else. But when, when Dana was getting, when she was just scoring and scoring and scoring, it was close. I can't say it was the same because the stakes weren't as high. And the fans are smart. They recognize that. But it was close. And like I said, people already liked Dana. They just liked her as a player. They liked her story. They liked that she's fairly local. And they wanted to see her succeed. And so it was just the Candace Parker. and It was the Dana Evans show featuring Candace Parker at that point. Once it got to like five minutes into the quarter, <laughs> I I remember writing in my notes as it was happening and it was still hard to believe watching it from a hundred feet away. It's like, Jesus Christ, Dana's going fucking crazy. And the, and it was something where they, it was a close game. So they needed all those points. It wasn't just like she scored those in a, in a, in a blowout and was just running things up. They, they started that quarter down three and ended it up three. Exactly. Like, again, that's what you expect for someone like Dana Evans, who's just, <laughs> she's such a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say streaky shooter, because I don't really think I can think of many times in which she's really struggled from the field necessarily. Um, but like, she's just someone that when she gets hot, it's just scorching the earth. And 
that would really was like a moment where she really introduced herself to the league. Like there, I, again, I know that a lot of sky fans will talk about what happened in game three and just bringing that, that momentum from, you know, that's got the sky blowing out the mercury in game three and having that momentum kind of carry into game four has that, that moment where it's like, no, the Dana is ours, you know, but I think it was, <laughs> you know, Dana really showed like to the rest of the league though. It's like, I am not just someone who like you can take lightly. Like, again, one thing that I talked with her about is just like how she's going to improve on the defensive end. And I think in this game, she showed that like she provides a spark on both ends of the floor, not even just on the offensive end. And she had a couple steals in this too, where I'm like, okay, that was like a really good read. So to me, this just like really encapsulates like the, the definition of a heat check where even with Azari coming off, like I remember tweeting about just like, man, I don't know where the sky would be right now without Azari Stevens in this game. And like, but that was also over a period, like a, a longer period of time where this was all like bunched up and it was just like, what are we watching right now? A <laughs> type of feeling in the moment. Yeah. It was a blitz. It was a blitz in the purest sense of the word. Like, and the, the team was, the team was feeling her. She went on a run out against Jordan Canada and drew a foul. And I think that's when everything just yeah. like went off. Cause it was like that there was a couple cause Dana will hit that step back. Right. But I think that was where she really got going. She like came off of a, of a curl screen and hit a half floater at the elbow was just pulling up for threes. It was, I can't think of a comparable performance in my head right now. I know there are, yeah. but just from this player that at that moment in time in their career, especially it wasn't that it was unexpected, but we didn't expect to see it that early in the season she like that. Yeah, she showed up. I was her coming out of like, you know, welcome to the WNBA moment and actually welcome, you know, you all to what I'm about to produce type of moment. So, um, all right, Chris, we're at, we we hit the eight minute mark. Where it's Dana you, Evans. Yeah, it's Dana Evans, man. I think there's going to be a couple of these where it's going to be more contested, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Dana wins the Heat Check Award, the first one given out ever on the Skyhook podcast. So The first award of all time, Dana Evans. Let's move on to this second award. We call this one the What Now Sophie Cunningham Award, where, I mean, I think you all know the origin of this if you've been following the team the last two years. Kalia Copper and <laughs> Sophie Cunningham got tangled up in early on in last year's or i should say the 2021 finals and there's that viral meme of Kyle looking down at sophie cunningham who's on her back on the floor and, and just giving her that mean mug of just like excuse me <laughs> <laughs> it was honestly t-shirts were made out of this i i just that's one of the best moments that in chicago sky history in my opinion so i guess this award is more like Kind of like when things got heated, what was the best moment for like when things got heated a little bit? Chris, we've got three candidates for this one. We have, speaking of Ka, we have her going against Courtney Williams in game one of last year's semifinals when they both wouldn't let go of the ball after a, a missed shot. 
and they both tried to pull down a rebound and then Ka just held on to the ball for like a minute. <laughs> it felt like Candice was really digging it too on the other end. And yeah, that's so that's the first candidate of just like Ka versus Courtney Williams. The other one, the second one, I should say, we have on the board here is James Wade after the Sky's first Aces loss when this clip was pay, played multiple times on ESPN. I thought uh, I actually I was the one that to start this question. I referred to the Aces as one of the best teams in the league. And James interrupted me and said, the best team and repeated it again, the best team in the league. Keep that narrative all year. I hear y'all. They are the best team in the league. Keep that shit up. I ain't going to forget it. Ah, okay. So this was such a good moment. Like this was like, okay, we're not messing around early on in the season. James Wade wants his team to get the flowers that they deserve. And I love this. I mean, I mean, this kind of encapsulates the whole James Wade experience on, uh, you know, from 2019 onwards, just that chip on your shoulder that kind of extended down the rest of the org, I should say, down the rest of the roster. Um, so we have the James Wade after the first Aces loss, and then <laughs> the Chicago Skies, the, the admin, shout out to Connor. This was after game two. Or no, this was during game two where Ali was just raining threes. And I just, I think we were even talking about this, Chris. I think we were DMing each other, just like, <laughs> why do they keep leaving Ali Quigley open? Like, it was just. Even like she had a relatively down year in terms of three point shooting, which if she were to come back, I think that would change again. But like, you still don't leave Allie freaking Quigley out on the perimeter open. Like you can't give her an inch of room. So those are our three candidates for the What Now Sophie Cunningham Award. Chris, make your case for Ka versus Courtney Williams. Um, that's some, man, that was, that's just, that's the grit and, and hustle mentality of Ka, really. That's all of the, that she's embodied. That's all of what she's embodied since she's been on the team and, and gradually shoved her way into the spotlight as a superstar, a star in this league. And as fast as she is, as graceful as she is, as much as she's improved her shooting touch, she, I think, leads by example in that way. And not to say that the other players don't, but she's willing to scrap. She's willing to get down in the mud with anybody who has something to say. Um, Cheyenne Parker was that way. Remember that uh, dust up that she and Liz Cambage had back when? Um, and I think with this one, it was, it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't for show, but it's one of those moments that I think is silly because you know, if you let go of the ball, they've made the call. You're, they're not going to retain possession, but it's one of those like, yo, you let go, you let go, you let go. No, you let go. <laughs> like, like well, it's like community when Abed and Troy are still having that pillow fight and everybody else is stopped. <laughs> it was like that. It wasn't the same because it wasn't the breaking up of a, of a beautiful friendship. You know, RIP to, to Troy and Abed in the morning, dog. Troy and Abed in the morning. My man, he caught it. <laughs> but it was very much like, I'm not letting go of the ball. And you could see them talking on air. The, the commentators were into it. The crowd was into it. And this was big because 
the stakes for that game, I love putting that, that in context. What did this game, what did this moment mean in this, in this larger context? Connecticut hadn't been in Chicago all year long. They had just crumbled in the, the, the semifinals last year. All those games that they'd had the year, that same year before, where they couldn't beat the sky or they couldn't beat them late. And everybody knew what the deal was. It was, it, it was either Connecticut's going to get to the finals or, you know, things are going to change for them next year or the sky are going to go back to the finals. And game one set the tone and that set the tone for game one. So, yeah, I mean, my case. I think, and I have to double check this, but I do believe that this was a one point game at the time, or it was like a one yep. possession. It was 57 56. Yeah. To me, that is like, okay, so you need to like get something out of your team and like doing shit like this. Like, even it's a little show, like the showmanship of it. You could tell just like the rest of the team really took off with. And I know it was like pretty close the rest of the way and everything, but like, man. That was that was a big moment. You could tell that this series was going to be physical, and it was the rest of the way. So, I love that moment between Ka and Courtney. I guess if there's going to be a case for James Wade winning the What Now Sophie Cunningham Award, I do think that this was just like the pull quote of the year, man. Like this was just like this was just something like where the sky weren't getting as much media attention at the top of the season where like in from a national perspective or then he kind of, I mean, you know, James, he's going to call out the media whenever he feels like the media has done the team wrong. And that chip on your shoulder thing is just something that's worked for him during his sky tenure. And I just thought this was so amusing. And I honestly, like, I remember being like, I ha had the microphone in my hand after he finished the quote and I'm like, you know, I don't really have anything left. This I was like, Annie, take the take the mic. I don't have anything to say to add to that. That was <laughs> perfect. But Chris, you were the one that picked out the Sky Admin meme for the final candidate. Did you, so? I wasn't on social media as much for this one. I'm curious, like, what when you saw that meme, where you thought this was like internet gold, content gold. You know, I'll say it mostly. I think I wanted to show some love to Connor and what he did this year because it wasn't necessarily this one. I was really trying to find um, one that I thought encapsulated uh, the work that he put in, uh, especially for a team that you could tell was was grinding at times, uh, feeling fatigue, longest season in, in WNBA history to this point. And I think it's just going to get longer after this. And he provided energy, not not necessarily maybe for the team, but for the fans. Uh, mm -hmm. especially that they could because uh, the fans they feel I think for the for the most part WA fans feel that pettiness they feel that they welcome that drama they welcome that shit talk and he embraced that whole idea and so he used that uh, music festival meme which I saw going around <laughs> and just kind of turned it into that you, you can't it's like as I've told you you can't leave Allie quickly open so basically, you cannot leave Allie Quigley open. As you saw there, she is four-time three-point champion, the most of any human on planet Earth, on this planet Earth for a reason, which is hilarious. Because you had to come girl, up with that in the moment, too. Yeah, yeah. It's all on the fly, which is why I have never applied for a social media coordinator position. I need to think through the tweets that I have, which is not really what Twitter's made for. But I think he used the meme to a T, and it was in the midst of a blowout where Sky fans were probably worried after game one. And this was them getting a bit of their swagger back. 
So I, I think he really hit that. I wouldn't call, I wouldn't put it in there to win, but Connor, man, you, you took on the role with aplomb this year. So I salute you. I salute you. Okay. We are approaching the one minute mark. And I think that we've kind of, we've summed up all of these parts here. Chris, who wins the what now Sophie Cunningham award? Gotta be James Wade for me. Oh, okay. As an all time quote, it was an all-time quote. It really set up those matchups for the the rest of the year. And I think everybody remembered that, especially after the second game in Las Vegas when the Sky had a huge comeback. Then you had the Commissioner's Cup game. Then you had their, their last game of the season. And it's just still a damn shame that we couldn't get that rematch in, in the playoffs. But I'm going with the James Wade quote, you know, keep that, keep that same energy. It's crazy. Like, in the fourth quarter of that game, I was looking up – trips to Vegas, like flights to Vegas. I remember, you know? I remember that. Um, yeah, so I, do, I agree that like the level of intensity that you, that came kind of after that too was just like something that, you know, a championship team would say, someone like the, what their leader would say. I get that. It's still Cobb versus Courtney Williams for me. Like okay. that, that, I don't know, just the intensity of that moment where it was like, you know what, man, I just wouldn't want to be one-on-one with, against Kalia Copper and anything, you know, <laughs> just the intensity, which it's not, it's not just something we see in games, like what she does in practice too, man. Like she drives to the rim with the same vigor that she does in games as well. So I think I got to give it to Ka. I'm not going to lie. I thought that this, this moment with Courtney Williams also embodies what the, the what now Sophie Cunningham award is going to be for the, the, the future Skyhook award show. So I'm running down, yeah, call for me, and then you give it to James Wade. Remember, folks, you can <laughs> you vote can, online. Yeah, let us know if we're wrong or if you wanted to vote for this so we can come up with a definitive winner. You can use the hashtag SkyhookPodAwards to make your voice heard with this one. Um, Chris, you want to introduce the next category? Of course. So this is, you know, as kind of what you said before, that we're the fucking champs moment, but really the no matter what, the road to the road to championship gold still goes through Chicago for the most defiant win of the season that the sky had. And first and, and most is that greatest comeback in WNBA history on June 21st against the aces that we've already talked about. So I'll save any more uh, gilding of the lily for a moment after this. Game three of the first round of the playoffs where the Sky completed their uh, comeback from down one game against Liberty and closed them out in three at home. That was a big time game. And that was this, in New York. Oh, no, you're right. Yes, because they lost game one in, gosh. Two, but they also did 2-1. Isn't that so weird? Like, that's the face I made, by the way, was just like they played the first two games in Chicago and one at the end. It would if if the league somehow found money to to do one one and one, but then you know couldn't do other things that they have, have you know not done yet. I think it would just been weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I could really say. No, but game three for sure is got to be up at the top of this list. And then the game against the Storm, I believe that's August, July twentieth, where the sky blunted a. Big comeback and barrage from Brianna Stewart and still won that game by four. Is that the right game or is it the game yeah. um, in Seattle? 
No, no, that's the one. And I think it was like the camper day or whatever it is. Uh, my least favorite day because of uh, Baby Shark. But this was without Courtney Vandersloot. And the the Sky kind of needed this win, honestly. Like this was one where you want to prove that you, you can still wipe out the top teams in the league. And Seattle was sputtering a little bit. This is when they just got Tina Charles as well. And you know they were still trying to figure out how to make her work in the rotation. And the Sky were able to come out with a victory at home after, again, like they held Brianna Stewart to like nine, 10 points. And then before she went off, but the Sky were able to come out with the victory. And these type of close wins is something that can be difficult for the Sky. So that in terms of most defiant win was one of the reasons that went to the top of the list. And I agree. I, I remember watching that one. Anytime I think the Sky go up against Seattle, it's still good. Like, Sue Bird was not the player that she was even three seasons ago. And as you said, they were having a bit of chemistry issues, but that was still a team that was uh, at that point uh, seven, 17 and eight. Mm -hmm. uh, Gabby Williams was playing good Gabby Williams basketball. Um, our guy, Steven Trinkwald, one of his favorite players, Stephanie Talbot was making things happen for them. And of course, Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd are always leading from the front when they're right for Seattle. So you you call it exactly right. She put up 13 points in the final frame, uh, but the Sky were able to match that in a team effort. The only other players to score uh, with Jewel Lloyd and Ezzy Magbogor had a basket and the Sky spread their scoring out. So I think that was really clutch. Emma Mieseman had six points and played the whole fourth quarter, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, and they only turned over the ball twice and had two steals and three blocks. So that's a really good argument for me for a defiant win, a defining win uh, for your season. Because the year before, we'd seen them give those games away or just lose them late as often as we saw them win. So that, even we, even though we'd watched them, the, the team for pretty much the entire, the entire first half of the season at that point on July 20th, we, it felt like, okay, they're gonna pull. They're gonna pull away from these teams, because I know at that point we were still thinking Vegas is gonna tire out at some point, and those are the top two teams. Like nobody else is really catching them. And I think I remember after that game thinking, well, Sky are winning these games where they got to kind of dig in and grind a bit. You know who 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 are they gonna lose to the rest of the season? I was thinking about a single digit loss campaign at that point. It's so hard just to see like how, and we're going to get to this a little bit later in the show too, but just like how good the four starters on that team um, with just Emma Beeson and Candace Parker, Kalia Copper and Courtney Vandersloot when they were on the floor together, just how dominant they were. And I can't emphasize, like, again, when we talk about defiant wins, this was the game where I thought the Chicago Sky were going to the finals. Um, it is game three of the first round of the playoffs where they're, up by 13 with 40 seconds left in the third quarter. And then the Liberty just start to go berserk, man. Like Sabrina gets that five point play where she, I think she hit a layup against Rebecca Gardner. And then she misses the free throw on the, like to try to convert the end one. And then she goes back out, get corrals the rebound on the, on the perimeter and like trains a three. And man, I just remember that like seeing that play looking over at Gabe Ibrahim at her hoop stats and just being like, is this actually about to happen? Or the Liberty, the Liberty after their start to the season, 
are they actually going to go to the semifinals? Like Sabrina <laughs> really showed that she's a big time player in her leap in year three was tremendous. And like, honestly, like that's what the Liberty were hoping for from her when they drafted her the first overall pick. But man, this was a moment where the sky came back. Like Allie Quigley hit some really clutch shots down the stretch. They remained composed. And to me, this is when I thought, okay, it finally clicked for them. Because August was a struggle for the sky. It was. Like they they look at the analytics. They were not a team that was playing as dominant basketball as they were in the middle of the season. And Again, this was like the moment where it all clicked. Like, no, this championship team's closed games like game three. And then, you know, obviously the next round happened. So to me, like this is this defines defiant win. But it's hard to beat that, you know, the biggest comeback in league history, too. (laughs) (laughs) I got to ask you, is this a formality? Because we're going over all of these good, really good qualities of both of these games. And honestly, I there's a great argument to be made for game three of the first round and that Seattle game. But I mean, come on, like watching that game against the aces in real time. Like I felt sick yeah. because I did not fuck with, I did not fuck with Las Vegas. Like the, the, the <laughs> Bill and beer years were just still so fresh in my mind. And like I said, Aisha Shepard hit that, that three to close the first quarter that, they had to review and then it stood and I'm just looking like, yeah, that's going to stand. They're going to score 40 in the first quarter. They're going to put up 40 fucking points. And then it didn't, it didn't get better for the next few minutes. And they it just seemed like they were doing what they wanted to at will. Like when you got Teresa Plaisance coming off the bench and hitting multiple trays, I was sitting here like, you know, can we just call it a night? Like did I just <laughs> waste my Tuesday? <laughs> like this is it was the first it was the actual first day of summer and as anybody who knows me knows you can't tell me shit once summer hits yeah. like <laughs> i say summer starts on oh my god chris curtis's birthday at the end of may <laughs> that was the the calendar first day of summer and i was about to be like getting it in and then i was watching this game like Dude, what the fuck is going on? And then it was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. It was like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? And they won by nine. They nearly won by double digits. So I don't, you know, we can we can say whatever we want about the quality games that they had this year. That game is that game has a place in the Library of Congress forever and ever and ever <laughs> for being, you know, historically, aesthetically, uh, contextually significant. Nobody's going to forget that game. It was insane. Like after that first quarter, I actually remember thinking, like, there's a lot of game left in this. Like, I the all it takes is the aces to go away from their bench. And honestly, like in that first quarter, they were able to get their starters out earlier than they typically would want to. Because I mean, again, I mean, I usually Wilson played like almost all of the WNBA finals. Like they're they're they really emphasized using those you know, the five players um, in the starting lineup. And I just remember thinking like, man, even though they got to the bench early, like, is it possible that this is like, that this guy could get things going a little bit, even though it goes against everything that we've seen since 2019. And I don't know. I didn't expect them to come back the way they did, especially just to win by nine 
No, that was not on the bingo card after the first quarter. But <laughs> I do think, though, like this team is so explosive and the way that they were just able to chip away, like I started to believe like halfway through the second quarter, like second or like, yeah, yeah, like through the second quarter, I'm like, I think they could actually do something here. And it was a really important win, you know, like I do think that when you play these type of teams in the league, like a Seattle or, you know, the aces, the sun, like you got to win those games and show that like you have a dominance over them. And when, when you look at, Oh, and that's the time when you look at, when you look at the aces at that point in the year, it's like, okay, you still got to come through Chicago, man. You still got to come through Chicago to in order to get to the finals. And it didn't end up happening that way, but I'm talking about in the moment, you know, that's a good feeling for the fans, but so wait, what, which one are you going to go with? Are you go um, out it's of these the three options? Yeah, it's the Aces game, man. There's just there's just nothing that stands up to it in this category. It's the Aces game. I told myself I was just going to let us talk it out and not pick any of these before this podcast. And I talked myself into game three. I'm going for game three. Are you sick? Yep. This man just being contrary. Yo, no. fire this dude. James is no longer the founder, bro. He's like... <laughs> I'm I'm Ray Crocking the podcast effective immediately. Like how 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 Dude, could you how I was, could you vote for it? I was in New York and I remember watching this game, being like, "Oh my god, it's happening again!" Like it just being like, "These are the games we've seen this guy give up," and then they had the championship moment. Man, I, I remember going back to my hotel that night, being like, "I really have to think about uh." how I'm going to make it out to the finals this year. Like <laughs> this was just, it, it blew my mind. And honestly, when we think about how the sky's off season would look coming off of a first round exit to the New York Liberty compared to a semifinals exit against the Connecticut sun. I think those are pretty significant things when we talk about like, okay, does it make sense to bring all the pieces back for next year versus being seven minutes away from going to a WNBA finals and being like, no, we can win and keep this group together. It's more compelling to come back after an exit in game five than it would be to lose to the Liberty like this, in my opinion. But that's the way I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm going with game three. This is what my gut says, Chris. All right. I've, I've grown it out so much just so I can like have strong feelings again. And this is what it's telling me. Um, <laughs> So, so everybody make sure when you vote for this on the poll, leave your thoughts about James just being a contrarian dude right now. Please make sure that you put that in there too. Please, please do that. Let let us have it. You know where to find us. Um, no, there's no us here. I, yeah. I, I voted for the right, I voted for the right candidate. You, oh, you, you voted for Gary Johnson, not me. I can't. Okay, you know what? Let's, let's keep let's keep it going. Here, you get you introduce the next one. I'll get this set. <laughs> All right. So something a bit lighter <laughs> for this one. Um, uh, if you don't know our 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 good friend, uh, I think I wouldn't say I'm not even going to say friend of the show. I'm going to say friend of ours. Yeah. Um, Maggie Hendricks who has worked in the Chicago media landscape for years, uh, had a radio show with 
uh, Julie DeCaro that was canceled much too soon and now works for Bally Sports. Uh, Maggie Hendricks covers just about as, as many Sky games, any, as many Sky games as she can get to. And she often brings in uh, chocolate chip cookies that she makes herself uh, for, for games for press row, for the players on both teams. And she, uh, she's known for it. And I don't want to say too much before we get into the, to the actual award can the award nominees, but it's been one of the better parts of covering this team, having a person like Maggie on the road that you can always count on to say hi and mean it and offer you a cookie and not have something that they want in return. So we decided to have the Maggie Hendricks post-game cookies award for the best and sweetest surprise of the season. And our, our nominees are Rebecca Gardner for coming in and just splashing onto this scene as an all rookie, an all WNBA rookie team finalist as a 31 year old is, is, and then 32 as everybody did not forget to say on their, on the pregame and, and in-game commentary, <laughs> but Rebecca Gardner, of course, has to be nominated here. One of the best surprises of the season, uh, assistant coach Emery Vaden Siever for all of his work that he's put in during the season. And I want to defer to you when we get into the categories um, in length, because his effect is very well is known is noticeable, but I don't know if everybody knows exactly what he does for this team. And also now that he's got his first head coaching gig back in Turkey and Emily Maley, who was yeah. part of that group that was in the, uh, the first part of the season when, when people were still coming back from overseas play and coming back from injury, I think that she turned a lot of heads outside of inside the organization, hopefully outside the organization uh, also got her first start for the Australian national team over the summer, but Anley Maley definitely had some bright spots. And I want to start with her just because I remember saying so many times, there's five Maleys on the court. I just blatantly stole Stacey King um, <laughs> line, but she was all over the place in those games she got in. And, you know, she wasn't in there necessarily to score, uh, she was just there for hustle and defense. And I think James Wade might've specifically said to cause some chaos. I think it's becoming more of a, a catchphrase for basketball coaches when they have a player who's just in there to be a defensive terror, but she did not stop moving. Her motor was, gosh, I, I, I can't think of a comparable analogy for it, but she just never stopped moving when she was out on the floor and she didn't make that many mistakes. So I loved watching Annalie Maley play uh, for this guy in her brief time at the beginning of the year. And I definitely hope she keeps cracking WNBA rosters. Uh, hopefully she gets a full season contract sometime soon here. James, Emery Vattensaver, tell, tell us how much he means to this team and how good he is as a coach. So Emery Vattensaver is someone you need to know moving forward as someone who should be considered for a head coaching job in the WNBA. And he has worked like six, seven, eight years in the W just mastering his craft, I guess, as an assistant coach doing scouts. He was promoted to the top assistant after he replaced Olaf Ling as the top assistant for the Chicago sky. And I I mean, you will not meet a nicer human being, man. Like, 
he cares so much about this. He, you know, as someone that the one of the my proclivities as a journalist, as or just as a person, is that unless I know you, I'm shy and like it's hard for me to like engage. I'm trying to break out of that shell as much as I can. But like once I got to talk with Emre and like felt more comfortable like going up to him and just talking about the team. I mean, like he is so respectable, like he's so respectful, I should say, and really cares about everything that he says. And after that win against, I believe it was the Lynx for when he just filled in for James Wade, who had COVID at the time, you know, he broke down into, tw- broke down into tears being like, I just so appreciate this opportunity to even be like, you know, just to step in and be in the coaching, the, uh, you know, the coaching box you won't find a nicer guy. And, you know, one thing that Annie reported earlier in the off season before Connecticut had its opening was that Emory wasn't interviewed for any coaching positions. I talked with him a couple of weeks ago. He actually got interviewed at a phone call with someone on the sun. So I really hope that he's able to break through at some point, but he was a night. It was a sweet surprise just getting to know him a little bit over the course of the season. That's really cool, man. I apologize. I'm make sure I pronounce this correctly. Emre Vatan Sever. Apologize for mispronouncing your name, sir. Uh, but that, I know we talked about it in the last couple of podcasts. Um, we were talking about overseas uh, accomplishments for Sky players, and we mentioned uh, what Emre's doing uh, with his team in Turkey. But it's really cool, not only for him, but I think for you that y'all had the chance to talk as much as you did. And then uh, Rebecca Gardner, what else can you really say? You know, part of top 10 in steals, I think top five in steals per game, just got into the rotation as one of the mainstays. If she, she was, I don't think she was ever first off the bench because that was always pretty much Z's call if she wasn't starting, but she was in the rotation that would get in uh, late in the first quarter and early in the second quarter and closed out more than a few games for the sky. Yes. Uh, as you said, and I think we're gonna we're gonna come back to Rebecca Gardner later in the show, uh, in the most clutch moment segment. So that really spells it out. Without Rebecca Gardner, the Sky aren't where they are. They don't get as close to the finals as they do, uh, and that's saying something for a team that was coming off of a championship and a player who had not played a minute in the WNBA before that. So, I I think sentimentally, I want to go with Emery because I feel that what he felt it's an honor to be able to coach athletes because you you're putting your trust in each other and so he really felt that and I feel that when I have the chance to do any coaching that I do but boy man Rebecca like I got into an argument online about Rebecca Gardner just for because I kind of I did kind of cherry pick a stat I didn't want to admit it in the moment but I was comparing her with Ryan Howard just in, um, I think, yeah. not points per possession. It was something very specific. And one Atlanta Dream fan really came in my neck. And I was like, well, I got to hold the line now. I, I'm not going to back off. That's I don't do that unless I'm actually proven wrong. And it was opinion. So it really couldn't prove me wrong. So I was willing to go to the mattresses for Rebecca Gardner. I think that really spells it out. Uh, Rebecca Gardner is my winner here. So... I want so that we're about to run out of time, but I'm going to extend this for like one quick minute because Rebecca Gardner, she was tasked with the assignment of being going up against like Kelsey Plum, Sabrina Inescu. Like when she was in the lineup, like this guy were going to 
to put her on the best perimeter player on the other, like from the other team. And man, I mean, think about this. Like she didn't even have a WNBA, like her profile picture was empty on WNBA.com before she played a minute in the W. She was just like this gem that James Wade found that, and like his wife found, I want to give her credit too for like scouting and like being like, hey, maybe you should check out Rebecca Gardner. I just can't imagine what this team would have been like without her. And she was brilliant. She should have been on an all defensive team, in my opinion. And she's just someone that I think if I really hope that she's on the sky next season, because I just I love covering her and her grittiness and also really nice person like the, the nothing beats covering good people. So Rebecca Gardner is so important for the sky. Maybe we'll see her at shooting guard starting at shooting guard next season. But I kind of, I agree with you. I think Rebecca Gardner is the sweetest surprise because nothing beat that debut that she had, man, like immediately immediate impact. And you could understand why the sky decided to keep her on the, like to give like telling her you have a roster spot, just finish up. We got to do overseas. I love that. Um, you were ready to move on to the next one. Yes, sir. You got it. Take us there. This is probably my favorite name that we we have on here. And um, and it's because I've blown this entire thing out of proportion and I don't care. I, I, I'm always, I'm, I'm in on jokes for the long run. Those are the best ones to me. So this next one is called the Ali Quigley Fuck Your Flower Pot Award. And <laughs> it's just fun. It was funny to hear you say it out loud. <laughs> So I'm going to just contextualize this one because this one's definitely the one that needs it the most. So in 2019, when Courtney and Allie were still active on Twitter, Courtney tweeted, Allie just ran over one of my flower pots, like with her car and then like a sad face emoji. And then Allie responded, relax, everyone. I did this flower pot a favor. Trust me. Winky face. And uh, yeah, I mean, that. That to me just describes a relationship. I love that. But we decided to come up with an award where it's like where um, one matchup or I guess like play that one Sky player demolished the other team with. And yeah, I'm sorry, but the fuck you, (laughs) fuck your flower pot award is a mainstay, man. I don't get if I'm the only one that laughs at this, I'm fine with that. This is just something I've kept the ball rolling on for no reason. Mentioned in multiple of my articles as a reference. I don't care with Chris. We're rolling with it right now. Here are the candidates for this. We got some good ones. Candace Parker's fake on Stephanie Talbot. I believe it was like the second matchup between the two teams. Stephanie Talbot is switched on to Candace in the post. Candace turns around to face up Stephanie. She fakes a pass out to the perimeter and Stephanie Talbot just completely turns, looks the other way. And Candace just casually like one dribble goes up, puts it in. If you zoom in and watch Stephanie Talbot's reaction, she's like, dang it. Like this has happened to her. This happened to her a couple times this season. So um, (laughs) it's, it's a bummer for her, but that to me, like one that that went viral like across social media. It was hilarious. Um, the next one that we have is Ka versus the Aces. So the Sky ended up losing this game, but Ka put up twenty eight points, and this would to me was like, oh yeah, you were like a for real 
three level score. Like this, there was like this one inbounds play that she had where like she catches it, fades away, drains it. At the end of the after she went off, what was it like sixteen points, Chris? I think you had the number up before. Yep. Sixteen points, six for seven shooting, eight minutes and twenty five seconds. Like that easily could have been the heat check candidate right there that we did at the top of this podcast, but. Ta hit this three at the buzzer that was like, she got like, she got like, you know, Candace is a, not approval, but just like, you know, Candace celebrated what Kai just did. And Kai just had this look on her face, like this, the killer mode that she gets into where you can't stop her. That to me was a, a fuck your flower pot moment for sure. Um, and Obviously, Candace's triple-double versus the Sparks, where she did it in three quarters, and this was her first game back in Staples Center, at, and I'm not calling it the other one, by the way. I'm not referring to the new name of Staples, um, <laughs> where <laughs> um, this was her first game back at Staples, and it was her first as an opponent, which is just, again, you think Candace Parker, you think of her in an L.A. Sparks uniform, and she just, I mean, the sky in general just demolished the Sparks this game. And Candace led the charge, you know. That was such an incredible moment for her. I think this was like her second triple-double of the season as well. And I think she became the only player to have two triple-doubles in one season at the time. I think it might have shifted um, as the season progressed. But those are our three candidates, Chris. Which one do you want to start with? Start off with just making a case for it. Uh, I'm going to start with the Candace Parker fake because that was a highlight moment. Um, it's I think at communication theory, right? Basics of it are in terms of agenda setting that the idea that people are not telling you what to think, but what to think about, and so ESPN picked that one up because <laughs> they're rightfully pushing the WNBA as they should. And I was looking at a video of it and there were a lot of people on there just in the comments. And I want to emphasize that there were a lot of people in the comments. Now, WNBA followers, fans, reporters, media personalities know that a lot of the comments are going to be dicks who are like, oh, that was trash. Oh, you know, that was not nearly as good as the, the worst NBA player. You know, a lot of hyperbole uh, from I, w- I don't want to say haters because that's overused. Cretins. That's a good word. Hmm. Uh, cr- cretins. And there were a lot of people on there, not just comments, likes, or dislikes. There were just a lot of people who made comments, which means that it came up in their high, in their, uh, you know, in their reel, or it was something that they decided to click on and talk about. And I think that's very important still in the landscape that people are talking about the WNBA. That said, the triple double against the Sparks, I think embodies the name of this award in itself because the drama with Derek Fisher that pretty much put Candace in a sky uniform for her to get a three quarter triple double and for the sky to just sail away on the sparks the way they did. I was looking forward to a decent matchup after the first game of the season, even if the sparks had been foundering a bit, that game was a walk. I, and I went to the top of Palmazano park Hill in Bridgeport and did a Twitter space after that because I was like, yo, we got to talk about this game. I don't have Wi-Fi, but we got to <laughs> talk about this game. So I, Candace's triple-double. That is the fuck your flower pot award for me. 
that's a really good one. And adding the, the Derek Fisher element to it, also thinking about her first game against the Sparks in the season opener where she went crazy, like what she did without Allie Quigley. Um, and I mean, they had the three, they had to use the three big lineup that RIP to the ace lineup. Um, but Candice went off and I think, I mean, she didn't do media after the game. And I just, I remember like, keeping that in my back pocket, just thinking like that moment and then thinking about what it would be like on this night. Oh, that was that one heck of a performance. And at a certain point, they like, I think she was like almost hunting for it. Like the team really wanted her to get that triple. Oh, double, yeah. You know, you could, you could absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I think she even stayed in a little bit longer than the rest of the starters. But that, that was definitely like a fuck you moment, if anything. And yeah, you know, I still think that Candace is fake on Stephanie Talbot. Like, um, if anybody knows where Stephanie Talbot is, by the way, after we haven't seen her since that play. Um, oh, that's me. <laughs> dude, I mean, like, I I don't know how you don't just evaporate on the spot after the like after that <laughs> happens to you. Cause I remember I just replayed this over and over and over. I like I, I was on my computer, like watching the game, and then I was like oh my God, like I'm going on YouTube TV and just rewind this shit. I couldn't believe how smooth it was. And she just, she's just done that move a thousand times, a thousand times where she just like fakes it, like in the post, like back slightly turn, fake it, and then like try to create like some space on uh, either side of the defender. Oh, poor Stephanie Talbot. That was a tough one. That's a tough one. That's uh that's a definitely a fuck your flower power award and nominee I, well, for a reason, you know. What I saw in that comment is that people were arguing whether Candace traveled and why Stephanie looked turned around. And some people were saying, you know, she looked for this, she looked for that. I think she looks at the referee to make sure that Candace didn't travel and just got the no call, which embodies how good of a move that was. I remember a quote about Jordan that was so good where a guy says, I don't know if his first step is illegal because he moves too fast. He's, he's so fast that I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and man. I mean, that's how good that Candace move was. It was just like, that had to be, that had to break a rule, right? Because it was too good to not be a travel. Man, if the the same people that are complaining about that play are probably NBA fans and they can take five steps before they dribble the ball in this in this day and age with Carries. the NBA and carrying, oh my god, it's Illegal atrocious. Screens like let's not get into this is not an MNBA podcast, but there are so many things in the game of basketball that we watch and it's becoming more widespread because offense is king, but. Yeah, if you're coming to come on there and talk about, oh, that was a blah, 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 blah. it's like, yeah, yeah tell yeah. me what Kyrie does on nearly every play. Exactly. That, that worked out great. We just look at the aim. Okay, we have to get back on it. We were kind okay. of overrunning our time for a so, while. So, who wins the Allie Quigley Fuck Your Flower Pot Award, Chris? Uh, I, I, we've got Candace in here twice, which I suppose we could go back and say that we uh, maybe broke one of our own rules, but we make our own rules. I'm going to say Candace is triple-double in L.A. because, damn, that game was a wipeout. <laughs> that, that game felt like 
a very, very big like middle finger. And I know Sparks fans watching <laughs> Candace win the title last year and then put in work on their team and then watching Chelsea Gray yeah. win the title this year. Dog, Sparks fans are sick. So I think that's the one for me. You know what? I think you convinced me. I went into this thinking I was going to pick Talbot, and no. I think the triple-double is the one. You you convinced me, sir. Fuck your flower pot goes to Candace Parker's triple-double. I did. I, I have won a certificate of achievement in uh, persuasive speaking at some <laughs> point in my life. I can't remember when, but I did. I did win that. I will have to send that to you as well after what just happened now. Um, do you want to introduce the next one? This is my Let's goal. Yeah. Oh, we've been waiting for this one. Oh, we it's have. Not, this is not the, the you know, the, what we've really been looking forward to. This is not the final two big awards, but we've been looking forward to this one. Uh, the worst take of the year award, where in this media landscape, social media, get your thoughts out quick, first, fastest, and uh, the bubbles that we live in that become sort of echo chambers, sometimes that manifests in ideas such as, you know, as we know it as, you know, going to the next bar doesn't seem like such a bad idea. Or, <laughs> of course I'll buy these Crocs. Everybody else is buying these Crocs. <laughs> but as we saw this year, and one of the best people, honestly, who is out here yes. doing it, if you don't follow him, please do. Our man, Mark Shinlin, had some absolutely abysmal takes on food. And to his credit or discredit, whichever side you're on, he has stuck with them. He does not like pickles. He does not like chicken nuggets. He does not, I think it's chicken tenders. I think he doesn't like chicken tenders. If there is a food out there, there is an 80% chance that Mark has, has told you that he doesn't like it. <laughs> and I think this comes from the entire fact that our man, Christian Braswell, who's, who's familiar with him, clued me into the fact that Mark absolutely abhors chips on a sandwich. And so we're calling this the Mark Schindler. What's in your shopping bag award for the worst take of the season? The first nominee, Ryan Howard is an MVP candidate after one game. You know, Ryan Howard, presumptive rookie of the year after a fabulous season. But after her first game of the season, in a season where we did not expect the Atlanta Dream to make the playoffs, and a season where eventually a, did, did the Atlanta Atlanta's coach didn't win coach of the year, or they did? Did not. Becky won. Yes, thank you. And kind of iffy, basically just because the Dream didn't make the playoffs. But Ryan Howard being in the MVP conversation after one game, that's a pretty hot-ass take. <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. Our second nominee from an unknown writer. Did the Mystics lose the Ryan Howard Shakira Austin trade after Ryan Howard's uh, good play to start the season, and uh, the Mystics kind of faltering with having Shakira Austin in there? Again, this was very quick into the season, maybe what two, three weeks, and you know I'm not sure what the writer was thinking. <laughs> they had to get some they had to get some copy out but just that early asking if the mystics lost that trade if they should not have traded their pick for ryan howard in order and in, uh, in, instead drafted shakira austin i think we saw how that turned out 
This one we can name because it doesn't have anybody personally in it. The Associated Press, that vaunted news organization for somehow, some way, naming Sam Thomas to all WNBA second second team or first like team? The, yeah, just the all WNBA rookie team. All yeah. WNBA rookie team. Now, James, I'm going to let you say it because you told me in the pre-show, but what did Sam Howard do in her time on the floor this year? So Sam Thomas in 118 minutes – Scored 10 points, went one for 15 from three-point range, was minus 24 in those 118 minutes, and had more turnovers than free throws made or attempted. Look, the discourse around it involving Sam Thomas, who's I think went undrafted and still made the Phoenix Mercury roster, like kudos to Sam Thomas. That is a really remarkable achievement. And want to make that clear. Like this Not is about different. Sam Thomas. But Sam Thomas should not have been in the, in the conversation. She didn't, I mean, again, 10 points in 118 minutes and everyone will point to the defense, but it's like, it's not like that was enough to overcome like someone like Queen Egbo. Like that was to me, it's like that. I, I don't know what happened here at the AP. Part of me wonders if they made a mistake, but I felt bad for Sam Thomas in the weeks after too, just being like having to answer questions. So by the way, you you didn't even average a minute in the WNBA this year. Like, how do you feel about being named to the AP's all WNBA rookie team? Like, it just didn't. So yeah, she averaged four point nine minutes a game. So that it it just there was a lot of really good rookies in this class that should have been considered over Sam. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned Queen Eggbelt because I think there was a lot of thought whether she had gotten drafted too high. And whether she would be, if not a bust, just uh, somebody that was off the Fever's roster next season. And she proved herself many times over this year. And so for that spot to be you know, given to somebody else who should not have been in that, in that conversation, should not have been considered for it, that sucks. And it's, it's tough for this one. I think the only reason that I wouldn't put this one in to win is because it kind of drags a player's name into the dirt. yeah, And that's not their fault. If somebody at the AP did make a mistake, you know, that's on them, but it was a mistake. And I can't see this as anything else. But so many people had to pull the stats in that they really didn't separate the person from the incident. So it's not Sam Thomas's fault for making the league and that somebody put her name into this award. So, but it's like as wild as that was, yeah, yeah, yeah as, as fucking wild as that was, I can't have that one in the way. So, you know what? I think we've explained these out for, like pretty well. So, actually, let's just we can go over it one more time though, just like in terms of making a case. I thought people said like, it was not just like one person even. This is like multiple people saying Ryan Howard. Should, like is going to win MVP this year. And I saw people talking about betting odds and all this crazy shit. And I'm like, can we give Ryan Howard a little bit more time like to play this marathon that is coming in the next, you know, X amount of games? Like that to me, it was just so crazy. And look, and by the way, I was the second, I, I was the one that had this second take. We talk about did the Mystics already lose the Ryan Howard, Shakira, Austin trade. We, we weren't going to use names. We, we weren't. But I'll own it. I said it on this podcast. 
and uh, <laughs> and honestly even coming back to it already i don't even think it's that hot of a take <laughs> as much as it like i i would say that they didn't lose it honestly when we use the word like the phrase lose that feels very absolute and undermines what shakira austin did i still can't like what ryan howard brings on both ends of the floor is just something i couldn't pass up on as a gm but again it's just so hard with sam thomas that to me i think it's hard to make a case against that one compared to the other two even as crazy as the ryan howard one was like that again <laughs> fucking crazy after one game that we're, we're using the m word to describe a rookie's performance for an entire season so um yeah chris where do you land with this one the Ron Howard MVP, I, I think, <laughs> saying that, saying that <laughs> what, putting a, a person in for an MVP after one game and not even making an article out of it, because if it's an article... You can explain the shit. Right. You're like, hey, we need you to get something out about this. And we just wanted, we just want to generate some talk. We want to generate conversation. That's forgivable for sure. But God, man, like you just tweeted that, bro. It's like yeah. <laughs> you're going off the deep end. Um, and it, I think that reminded me, uh, for better or for worse, of when uh, the dot when Diamond was in Chicago, and I remember and I remember somebody on press row saying like, "Yo, she's a superstar," and it was her second season. I was like, "Yo, you gotta wait." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait and see how things develop. Not because she's not going to be good, but you got to let give her time to marinate. And I, I don't know if that's a thing in the W on on the whole, but I was like, but damn, slow down, just yeah. slow down a bit. That's all I wanted. You know, so that that's yeah. my vote for sure. I think I am with you on that. Just again, because it was after one game, but I will say this. I think Ryan Howard is going to win an MVP in the WNBA the next six, seven years, man. I, I think what she's doing and like what she's been like, just watching her move off the ball as a defender too. just, there's just certain things that I think she benefited from working like, you know, having someone like Cheyenne Parker next to her from a defensive perspective. And also just like, she just had a better team around her than she did at Kentucky. It, it's just that simple and she really benefited from being able to like work with professionals and I just yeah I'm I I think that she's going to be an MVP someday and I'm really excited to see how she develops but after that one game we have players like Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, like Candace Parker like come on we're not we're not naming Ryan Howard the MVP after one game so I'm with you on that one can't do it can't do it. um so what's the next one here? We have oh yeah, go for it. Before we before we get into our, our penultimate and ultimate awards of the evening, uh wanna have thank you for obviously sticking with us. This is an extra large episode of the Skyhook Podcast. And in the season that we talked about, there were so many things that occurred for, for us, for the league, for the people around us. And just wanted to take a moment very quick to talk about our, our favorite moments, our favorite moments of the season that didn't necessarily qualify for one of these awards and maybe didn't even happen on the court. Uh, so just, just really quick for me, I had to think about this since so many things did happen. 
But the after uh, Courtney's game winner against New York, where I was, at, I was actually out at the uh, the Woodstock Pride Parade, which was awesome. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun. But I was following that game on my phone, even though my phone was close to like twenty percent. I was like, no, nah, I can't not see some of this. And it was it wasn't just the fact that Sloot hit that 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 buzzer beating three. It was after the game, Steph and salute and, and uh Ali's interaction like step very clearly says fuck you as he's waving <laughs> goodbye <laughs> and then uh Julie Alamond and Maureen Johannes uh we're, we're talking to each other at midcourt and Hanshu and Lee Yuri we're, we're talking to each other after the game too so it was a very human moment uh after yeah. a very intense game and I, I think there's a lot that's said about uh the that basketball is too friendly now, mainly on one side, particularly, it's it said a lot. But that was a very cool thing to see because it was very genuine and very natural that you would expect those three for sure to be talking and those two uh, pairs to be talking after the game. And then secondly, we 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 were we saw Twitter possibly going down the drain. We still Twitter might still be going down the drain, but Twitter Spaces this year were so much fun for me. I know mm-hmm. they were fun for a lot of people. And I got to meet a lot of people that way uh, that I would not have in- encountered or interacted with. And I think, as we say, there's a tendency for Twitter to be a toxic place. Uh, it's it's what people make it. That's what I always say. People create the environment that they live in. And so it can be toxic. It can be great. It can be a boon. It can be a thorn. But the Twitter spaces largely were very, very, very good uh, for me uh, to improve as a journalist and I think to improve as a person covering the sky. So those are my favorite things of the year. Both great choices. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to pick one moment out of... I mean, there was a lot of great moments during this season. Um, again, just going back through, like I kind of focused more on the negative end of things towards the end of the year that stuck with me more. And then going through, like I told you that I got this sky journal that like, just to make sure I remember certain things after just helps me with my reporting. And man, I think there's just nothing's going to beat Allie Quigley winning the three point contest and watching her like the angle, like it was her in the right corner. And just the announcer saying like, Allie Quigley is your three-point contest winner and she won more three-point contests than anyone in the NBA or WNBA ever and that to me is special for someone like Allie Quigley who a lot of uh, it's it kills me too when it comes to salute too but just how and I mean Candace Dupree a lot of other players as well but like them not getting their shine enough early on and um yeah, man, like for Ali to be celebrated like that, even though like, again, the circumstance, like the environment wasn't as optimal as you'd want it to be, not being able to do it at Wintrust and doing it at McCormick Place instead. But just seeing Ali celebrated like that, man, like someone who works so hard, someone that could have easily been out of the league in 2008, but just kept going and not relenting. And, you know, it, it really it felt like a full circle moment, honestly. That's what I wrote down in my journal. It was just like, okay, like Ali came back to the place that, you know, she made a name for herself. To me, that is what stuck out to me in terms of favorite moment, just seeing her celebrated like that. No doubt. 
And that's special. And it's really cool that it was in Chicago. And so, you know, if that was it, then the world got to see her for who she was. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it wasn't the same my All-Star game thoughts, it doesn't really matter. Oh my God. Wait, you know what? Maybe we haven't seen the last of Allie Quigley too. I just want to put that out That's there true. Too. So That's hopefully this th- that wasn't a lot. I know for the three-point contest, she made it for like, I'm not doing it again for sure this time. Um, <laughs> and she shouldn't. Honestly, ended going four for four. Honestly, that's uh, nothing like batting a thousand for at bats. So um, uh, no. ready to move on to the next one? Let's do it. This one, again, this is for older, I mean, quote-unquote older Sky fans that were with us at the top. We're calling this one the Gabby Williams Lob at the Horn Award. The reason for this the, this name of this award, it was one of the most, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for this. I'm going to use this phrase. You ready, Chris? Oh. <laughs> it was one of the more lit end of the game. <laughs> it it was lit, man. Um, at the end of the game where um, just one of the like, best moments, honestly, following that Sky team after in 2019, people thought they were going to finish towards the bottom of the standings. And then they ended up winning the first round of the playoffs, going to the second round, almost advancing to the semifinals. And this to me, like, was like a we believe moment for them where Courtney Vandersloot is inbounding the ball. Gabby Williams comes around, I th- believe, like, I think it was like the left elbow, and Courtney throws her a lob. Gabby is just, again, really athletic, um, catches the ball, just floats it in. And with like under, like, I think it was like, what, 0.5 seconds left on the clock or something like that. And <sighs> again, wind trust goes crazy, the sky go crazy. And it was just, again, one of those moments where it was like, this was like a, again, like a we believe moment. But when I think about clutch shots, that's what I think of when I think about the last few years that I've covered the sky. So to be more direct, this is the most clutch moment of the season. We got three nominees. Slew's game winner against New York. New York, again, was just keeping it close for a while, but then the sky whipped the ball around and find Courtney on the wing. She drains it. She becomes the queen of the fourth. The second nominee is Rebecca Gardner versus the Sun on June 10th. This is, like, more defensive than anything else, but, like, she... The Sky, I believe, were seven and four at the time. And again, this is just like, okay, we got to beat one of the t- top teams in the league to make a statement. And Rebecca Gardner, towards the end of the game, she makes a steal. She gets fouled. And that pretty much sealed the game. She had a free throw to put them up by four, I believe it was. And then at the other end, she blocked a three point attempt just as an exclamation park. I mean, this to me, I was like, this is a closer. This is someone that like could come in at the end of games and really disrupt. And we've seen that multiple times from Rebecca Garner this season. So that's the second candidate. And the third one is Vander Quiggs versus Connecticut on July 31st. This was game was in overtime and Allie had been struggling a little bit, but then in the final frame of the overtime, Allie had five points all assisted from Courtney who had four points and three assists. And again, it was just like they came up when this guy needed them most and to me, that was just a really clutch performance by them that felt like vintage Vanderquigs. So we have three 
nominees here. There's plenty of salute plays that we could have gone with this year. That one against the Lynx sticks in my mind as well. But Chris, where do you have like what? Which one do you want to talk about first? Like, where's your head at with it? Uh, the the Vanderbilt game winner we already mentioned, so I don't think I have to go into any more detail on that. It was it was amazing. It was just amazing, and doing that in one of the better arenas in the league was was really cool. Uh, the Rebecca Gardner one was part of her like introduction to where everybody was like starting to notice her, starting to notice her, and that was a clutch moment because the sky were only up by three, and. Connecticut had Natisha Heideman on the floor, even though they weren't necessarily a quality three-point shooting team. They had players out there who could hit a three and tie it. And this was big for them. They were still trying to break that losing streak against the sky. And for a new player to come out of nowhere and get a steal off of Natisha Heideman to essentially seal the game, I'm leaning towards that one. The only thing that's holding me back is that the Vanderquigs play uh, the end of the game against that same Sun team was later in the season. So I want to hear what you have to say before I make my choice. I lean towards Vanderquigs versus Connecticut. Like you just said on July 31st, like Allie Quigley again, like it wasn't her best offensive season this past year, still an effective player. She just, Again, like those are the moments why, like I think there's been some people that second guess why Allie was out on the floor after she struggled at Game Five of the semifinals, and I think she ended up like one for eleven from the field, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, um, and it's and to me, like I I I questioned it too, but then I remember, like I went back and watched this overtime period. I'm like, oh wait, that's why you keep Allie Quigley on the floor is because she can rise to the occasion at any point, and if I want someone to hit a three to get get my team back into things. It's like, I know that I can trust Allie Quigley, whether it's coming off a screen, whether it's just catch and shoot from the wing, or even just like coming up in transition and hitting a three. Like this was like, we're the reason why you keep Allie Quigley in the game. And she's been one of this guy's most clutch players over the last few years. And then again, Sloot just controlling the game. Like there's just, there's just something about Courtney Vandersloot where she just, it looks like she's looking down at the rest of the court, just trying to find any little angle, any little advantage that it just blows me away anytime I watch her. And to me, that it, that's how I felt when rewatching that overtime period. You know, I'm going to go with that because that was another really weird game. Like the sky and the sun have had these just weird finishes <laughs> to games yeah. over the last two years. And I had forgotten the sky had a one point lead and Rebecca Gardner drew a two shot foul that would have given them, a, I think a two possession lead or they would have, um, the sun would have needed a three to tie. Mm -hmm. But I think Cheryl Flores called a tech on James Wade. And, oh my God. Yeah. And everybody after the game was like, where was the technical foul? Because he came like, I have to go back and, and check. No, you're right. I totally forgot about that element of it. Yeah. It was like he came like a foot outside of the hash mark in the coach's box and yep. immediately got called for a tech. And so Connecticut was able to tie because the sky were only up by two. And then in the overtime period, they went down by five. Uh, six. Sorry, they went down by six. Connecticut had uh, the first 
four points of the of the period, and then they got a six point lead after Courtney Williams hit a three and uh, John Cole Jones had a free throw, and then Allie Courtney and well, Emma had a, a bucket in there too to take the lead, but they scored the rest of the points. Like Connecticut didn't score after that John Cole Jones free throw, so they went two over two minutes without scoring. That's a big time. That's a big time finish against a team that you have just mixed it up with in more ways than one. And again, that was a team that those, they, they were going to see each other in the playoffs, barring a minor miracle or just a, a bad injury to a key player. Yeah. So every, every one of those games really did mean something. It's so hard because that Sloot game winner against New York was also just, it, you, I mean, Courtney is just someone that, has been underratedly, I mean, she's been so clutch. It's not an element of her, her game that a lot of people think about her when it, like when they think about her, they don't think about her being clutch or just her ability to shoot. And like when she took that three, like there wasn't a doubt in my mind. She wasn't like, she wasn't going to make it, man. Like she's shown up time and time again. And again, this is eye test versus what the stats say, but we've seen her do it over and over again. And that was a pretty magical moment too in New York, like that, that, or the against New York, just the sky really, again, that it really showed that they could play team basketball and that's, that was going to be their identity the rest of the way found the open person and she knocks it down. I mean, that's pretty great, but I do think that Connecticut, if we, we've got 44 seconds left, we've, we've talked about all these, I feel, unless you have, have anything to add, but. No, no, I'm, I'm, I think the the Vanderquicks overtime play against Connecticut where they just really pick things up. In a game, honestly, this guy, had a, they opened with a 10-point advantage. Uh, but for them to pull that game back really, really meant something against the team again that they were going to see later in the season. I'm with you on that. That, to me, was going back and watching all these again, even the Minnesota one, which was great, um, even though it was a broken play, like – what Vanderquigs did really stood out to me and it kind of epitomizes like how lethal they've been for such a long time. Chris, we got one more. What is it? It's what we've all been waiting for. The final award of the inaugural Skyhook podcast award show. And of course we had to finish with the most valuable player on the Chicago sky for the 2022 season. Again, season that didn't end the way that anybody associated with the team wanted it to, but still a special season, especially coming off of that championship. So our nominees for the most valuable player are, and this one, you know, it's special because we had four instead of three, Candace Parker, Emma Mieseman, Kalia Copper, or Courtney Vandersloot. Whew, I I would I was going to say I wouldn't want to choose these, but obviously I have to. I have to <laughs> choose somebody. Uh, I, I'm going to start going backwards. Kalia Copper, as much as she means to this team, I couldn't vote her MVP because statistically, uh, not just going by uh, advanced analytical stats like usage rate and uh, player efficiency rating, uh, wind shares, all of that. I don't think she had as great of an impact as the other three players that we mentioned. 
Um, and that's kind of telling just because of the fact that we haven't voted her for as, as many times as she's been nominated. And this, this is kind of silly to use this criteria, but we haven't voted her as a winner for any of the awards yet, right? Like, I think you you had her for the, the Cobb versus Courtney Williams tie-up. And that is an emotional moment for the season. And I mean, we did name one of the awards after her, but that was a moment for last year. I think 2021 Cobb, even in the regular season where the Sky finished 500, was slightly better than the Cobb we got this year. Hmm. I think so. I just really do. There were times um, throughout the season that her shooting was just a bit spotty. Uh, Spotty for her. Streaky, I'll say. Streaky. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And she wasn't hitting those shots at the rim that we were used to. I remember seeing that, particularly at moments in the season where it was like you expect Kyle to just finish through whatever at the rim. And she wasn't, you know, for whatever reason. And so as, as good as she was, when it really, really counted, I think that she wasn't the best player on the team this year. And that's my criteria for most valuable players. She was not the best player on the team this year, all told. So unfortunately, Kalia Copper does not get my vote for this one. I'll go over to you now. So one thing I just want to point out too, that the reason that we put together this the, these four, which I know it's probably obvious why we put these four together, but in 546 minutes together, Candice, Emma, Ka, and Courtney had a positive 10.6 net rating according to Positive Residuals Database and a 108.9 offensive rainy, like rating. I mean, what they were able to do on both ends of the court is just some of the best shit that we've seen in basketball over the last few years. Like, obviously, that Aces starting group, starting closing group, what they were able to do this year, like the Washington Mystics in 2019, the Storm in 2020. I mean, obviously they were like, we're talking about some of the better lineups in the league. And it's, I'm going to what, I'm going to go away from the stats. I had stats for this. I'm like, I'm going to move away from it. I think that Candace Parker had one of the, like one of her best seasons, just in terms of like her impact on both ends of the floor. I think Ka had a great season, and I think that her the case against her says more about the other players than it really does about her play. Um, obviously, okay. there are things that you want to see her, like her free throw late rate. I mean, um, just like her numbers dipped a little bit and didn't really improve as much as the season progressed. But again, I think as a three-point shooter, she, I think, made some strides and um, proved that she, that's something that opponents are going to have to respect. Courtney... Again, someone that had a quote unquote down year, but like her impact, anytime that she is on the floor, her team is just better because of it. And Courtney is someone that, again, like is just going to go down as one of the most underrated players in basketball. Um, it's crazy, even just given that what she's done over the last six years. But even with her stats quote unquote down, that, that wouldn't disqualify her. Man, I think Emma Meesman has a really, really strong case for what she brings, like the just the intellect that she has as someone who flash cuts and just sees open space better than a lot of people who alter shots at the rim. There's this one play where she had where Melissa, uh, no, it was Tierra McCallan was backing down in like in the post, and Emma switched where she was like 
guard like she was denying her the entry pass but to, but she forced Tierra McCown into a, th- a defensive uh an offensive three seconds because she was staying in the paint and it was just one of those moments like seeing it live where I'm like oh my god she is brilliant for this type of shit and her willingness to sacrifice how she protects the rim I mean her ability to stretch the floor even though her numbers were a little bit down but like I just can't say enough good things. I mean, the the pairing of Candace Parker and Amisa, man, there's not a better front court in the W, in my opinion. Um, and stats would back, back that up. I still think it's Candace, just from what she brought from a leadership perspective, how anytime they needed her, she stepped up. But like, I would have voted Emma Misamin in the all WNBA second team, and I wouldn't have blinked if I had a vote. I remember. Going over numbers near the end of the year, when it uh, when it came to Candace and all WNBA, and I, I think it's skewed only because you can't necessarily trust people to make the right choice in these situations. Yeah. But I was going over things in, in Candace's history, and I remember I put it on Twitter. I was like, she had her best statistical season at, at this point, and you know I think she not this past season. It was I think like. 2012 or 2016 something like that and then that season she got like all WNBA second team and this season that she had previous this preceding year 2022 wasn't as good as that one so you know why would I choose her for first team all WNBA if she didn't make it at that particular time now that being said that doesn't have any impact on our particular awards just because we're not voting for all WNBA. We're voting for the best player on the team. I will say looking at the statistics for Kalia Copper, playing fewer minutes, she had better stats nearly across the board. So I don't know what it is that I remember seeing or in my watching that made me think that it wasn't as good. So I might have to retract that. I still uh, wouldn't change my vote here. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I do give it to Candace, even though she had a bit of a worse season uh, statistically as a three-point shooter. She shot the ball better from the foul line. She had more, she had more boards, more assists, and only about a minute and a half more on the floor. And that's playing with Emma Mieseman, which is going to help, but it wasn't like took a dramatic jump in numbers. There's times where... And I think the players and the coaches have all said this, where Emma could just like flat out dominate. And I think fans were looking for it more too, where there's times where you see Emma get the ball in the elbow and either has a mismatch and she's looking to make the perfect play where you're just like, Emma, you could shoot that and we could get a board at, at worst. We can get a rebound. And I think that's what it is where she is so gifted, as you say, her basketball IQ is off the charts. We saw it with the Mystics. We saw it with the Sky. We see it in international play all the time. But I think with that, she has a bit of the the the, the thing that it seems to afflict the Sky, just the personnel that they bring in, where they're trying to make that absolute perfect basketball play happen and don't necessarily go with the really good basketball play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Candace and Kalia do uh, better than Courtney or Emma, where they're like, yo, this is what we need right now. We can do it. We can get it done. 
And meshing those elements together is something that I think Candace, just because she is an absolute flat out superstar Hall of Famer, does so well. And I think, you know, outside of just year to year, I think she was the best player on the team the most times, the most amount of time over the year. You know, if you needed to go to uh, for a bucket late in the clock, you find Candace. If you needed a play made you know, with 15 seconds on the clock in a tight game, you find Candace. Players who wanted the um, just the way that she interacted with Rebecca Gardner, the way that she interacted on the court with Dana Evans, yeah. all of those things that she does, whether the play is made or not, you see it after timeouts, like just talk, talking. God. Complete Candace package. Parker. Complete Candace package. Parker. Yeah. Candace Parker's my vote. Just one, I, I'm going to walk back and just say one statistic that blew my mind just on the MME Sim in front. So she, at, at opportunities at the rim, she averaged 1.513 points per possession at, yeah, shots at the rim this season. Um, she made, <laughs> I got to make sure I'm even reading this right. Yeah, she shot 75.7% at shots at the rim this year. 75.7% is pretty freaking good. Because um, <laughs> anytime they dump the ball to her, she would, like, she can just get you a bucket. And obviously the thing that people say is like, well, she needs to be more aggressive. Well, in the opportunities that she had, she converted 75% of the time around the rim. So... I, I just there's certain things where I just don't think that she's appreciated enough. But I also don't think Candace gets the things that like when you talk about the MVP conversation and the sky didn't really have anybody that like in the conversation, like in, not in terms of um it being a meritocracy and like that they should be in the conversation, but more like when you go on social media, when you read articles, like people weren't really mentioning any sky players just because they had the team that they had, um, I mean, they're so stacked, but I mean, what Candace brought to the table, like I think about that performance where she had like 19 points, 18 rebounds, whatever it was like, she stepped up when she needed to step up and the leadership that she provides that calming presence, like it's, I think that one of the reasons why her and James Wade work off each other so well is that again, like, He's someone like, hey, we need to do this now. And Candace is like, hey, we got this. And having a second coach on the floor like that, I don't think you can really put, like, look at the numbers and really weigh them against that because that's, there's a reason why this guy became the team that they did when Candace came to Chicago. So she is also my MVP. Um, but I'm a Miesemann. Ugh. I really hope she's back in the W, but she put did some special shit last year that did not go recognized as much as it should have. And uh, uh, to me is like where the like the most interesting part of this conversation is. I, I wonder as we're coming to the close of our show uh, before we get into uh, what our New Year's resolutions <laughs> might be. I wonder if in the vein of of the book of basketball, if Emma is like one of those players who's a great sidekick second option, but is not necessarily the person you would have as your 1A 
go-to player and that's but not she's not knock. wired that way she's yeah, not wired that like way. some yeah. some i think in basketball you need to have some people who are just nuts in terms of their competitiveness and their want to just like work somebody over if, if the need calls for it and just somebody who is like an m bison type character like a fucking hella from Thor Ragnarok type <laughs> character. It's just like this, this, this motherfucker is like damn near unbeatable. Yeah. I wonder if if Emma's just if she, if she's not like that, she's not like that, and that's what it is. But ah, man, some part of I me just her wants to it. see like how she would function as that number one person, just to see what it would be like. She doesn't want it though, man. Like you talk to Coach T, and he's just like. I mean, she's made a lot of growth as a person, but like we've always wanted her to be more aggressive and she wants to make her teammates better by creating for them as well. And I find that to be, I mean, like <laughs> even the way that she just like slips to the basket and like how much room she creates for herself and like, or flipping the angle of screens. I'm just like, there's these little things that are just not talk about in the MVP discussion that, um, that unfortunately go unheard uh, or unrecognized to a large degree. But um, Chris, yeah, let's wrap this up, man. I This was so fun to do. You said you, what, what was the thing that you wanted to include at the end of this? Uh, just one New Year's resolution uh, for each of us because I, for years I said I was going to learn to do a backflip and I never did. <laughs> <laughs> I said all this stuff, I was going to learn to skateboard for sure. And I know how to do it, but I was gonna do like something very particular, and and I never did. But I gotta do, I gotta do something. And uh, I, I'm good. Travel is is too general. I'm gonna go to another state and see a WNBA game. Honestly, that's in the works. Love that already. Uh, like I said, that first weekend of June, New York, the Sky play a home and home with the Liberty. And they've got the Liberty on Sunday afternoon. So if you're out there June 4th, expect to see your boy tearing up fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to travel to see a WNBA game. That is my, that is my, um, that's my New Year's resolution. One of them at least. I hear that. I'm, I, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. I, I hope that I get a full-time job in sports this year. That's my that's my number one goal. That's the thing I'm focusing on the most right now. Um, and not needing like duct tape to keep myself together <laughs> physically, you know. I'm just, yeah. I, I those are my two things. I don't know. I um I don't really have any fun things. I want to learn golf, Chris. I really do want to learn golf. Oh, um, dude, I'm with it. Yo, let's go. No, let's let's learn together. I love that. I'd be fun as hell. Um, I just want to. I miss competing a lot. And you know that eighty mile per hour fastball is no longer. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of it left me, Chris. It's gone. Um, so yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna try to learn golf. That's my that'll be my New Year's resolution. Be uh, you know, try to get into that a little bit more. But um, you know, one thing that we should say too, man, is just how awesome it's been to like interact with a lot of people. Past now that we're past the 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 most restrictive part of the pandemic, I should say, please wear masks, people. Um, it was really just cool to meet a lot of people that listen to our show and 
oh my god i mean i think about the best moments of the year i mean i think a lot about just a lot of the kind messages you guys sent through the mailbag whether it's dming on twitters to offer us a little support i mean i can't tell you how much that meant the world to me and i know it did to chris as well and um you know this i'm excited to turn the calendar page this is one of the i hated 2022 but um it was made much easier just having uh being able to interact with all of you and it's cool to see a lot of people being so crazy about the sky now when it's just shifted so much over the last couple of years where it was hard to find people who wanted to have a conversation about the team. Remember like in 2019 with the show, I was like struggling to find people to talk about the W with me and the sky specifically. And now it's like, Oh my God, we have a blog list of guests that we want to have on the show that we're trying to make that happen as much as possible. So it's been cool to see, you know, how, the show has grown and it is not possible without every single person that has given us a listen whenever we release an episode. So I just wanted to say, appreciate you all so much. Um, Chris, you want to any, add anything? Thank you, everybody. Um, come back with us in 2023. We got a lot of big things popping off. I, I guarantee it. And, and like James said, I, I, I can't say any more than, than you did, but it was a tough, I think it was tough sledding for both of us, but I was, there were a lot of times, I think we were very, we were, we were worried about each other <laughs> coming up <laughs> this year. And uh, not only did we keep each other going, you kept us going. So mm-hmm. we appreciate everybody who listens to the show. Uh, thanks to our moms for, you know, bigging us up. Um, tell I got to talk to Lisa about that alarm clock, I dude. I have it here. I have right. it. In, well, I got yeah. yeah, no, I got it in a box here. I'm gonna, I'll drop it off soon. Um, I, I got to get that alarm clock from you. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Oh my god, my mom, <laughs> lovely person. Um, but yeah, no, thank you for listening to. I don't even know how long this ended up going, but like this mammoth podcast that we just did. Um, again, if you want to reach out to us, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is in the episode description, along with our social media info. But our mailbag is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. And if again, yeah, if you want to support us, you can always do so by just rating and reviewing the show, drop us a comment and or drop us a review, whatever you can do we would appreciate it um and if you have any follow-ups to this episode specifically again you can drop that hashtag on twitter the skyhook pod awards and make sure to check out the newsletter which is also linked in our episode description for this one so skytown until 2023 it's gonna stay be out of James's mentions. That's what y'all stop. <laughs> I can't stay out no. of his inbox. You thought I wasn't gonna slip it in there? <laughs> stay out of his inbox, bro. Stay off James' WhatsApp. I'm ending this stay recording. Off of James' messages. <laughs> My mastodon. Um... <laughs> Get out of it. Get out of it. Steer he's clear. Got, he's got a burner account on on uh, Patter or whatever that right wing thing is. If you're right wing maga maga folks, stay out James' mentions, bro. Stay out of it. He is taken. 
we're ending it there. I can't. <laughs> <laughs>